button has been pressed. My computer says well, hello. Recording. We are now recording. Hello, um, I'm Patricia LaFile. I'm the Mysterious Woman of the Troth, and this is our very first official Skype chat podcast. I have a couple of people here with me already. We've got Dave Karen. Hello. Dennis Ford. Hello. Heather Corner. Yes, I'm here. Yes. And, <laughs> oh, dear. She's had a long day. And Tim Strackbean. Yes, ma'am. Is it Strackbean or Strackbine? Uh, Strackbine. Strackbine. Thank you. Sorry. I'm Not a problem. I utterly failed at my German just then. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah, I think it means strong leg singular. Don't ask me why. Don't ask me what's going on. It's just... <laughs> yeah. Lafile means um, stone craft builder. So apparently my ancestors built walls. So Lafile, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the rock. Anyway. Crossing the waters. So Yeah. Um, anyway, we are uh, starting up with our very first Skype chat. Other people might join us as we go along. And if they do, we will have a, a little bit of introduction. I'm going to moderate this, but not by a lot, because I think that it's cooler when we all just sort of talk. This is mostly so that we don't talk over each other and miss each other's points. So, with that, tonight's theme is the ancestors. Hooray, ancestors! Yay! <laughs> and it's funny because... Huh? Uh, side comment, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, everybody's got one happy uncle's van. It must be Tim's. <laughs> <laughs> I'll start a little bit just to get some introductory information, and then we can go from there. Uh, being, of course, you know, me and lazier than I sound, I actually usually use our troth as a great go-to resource when we're getting ready to talk about these sorts of things, especially from a lore perspective, because it's, it's not that I don't know it and haven't read it. It's just that if I go to my library and start looking things up, I'll be there all day and forget where I started or why. Um, and interestingly enough, I said, well, I'll just go to the chapter on ancestors. In any event, I went to Artroth and went to the Ancestors chapter, and there is not an Ancestors chapter in Artroth. And I said, well, that's funny, <laughs> since the Ancestors are so important. But we do have um, chapters on Desir and Valkyries, and we also have chapters on Alps and Dwarves and stuff like that. So we actually sort of have it by default. From a lore perspective, we have a lot more record of the Desir, or Dis is the singular, Desir is the plural. It might originally have meant Atheling Woman, which is something like Prince Woman, kind of. Not really. Um, hard to say. Ranking Lady is basically what it comes down to. And these seem to be women who, after death, followed um, families uh, in their travels and, and helped to make sure that their luck was still there. They took part in battle, kind of, uh, more in a protective way. The, the Lays of Helgi talk about that. We see midwife skills and spells. We see them called on. And there is, of course, the Matrona. And we do have one of our biggest things um, pointing toward Deesia worship, and that's Deesia bloat, which is one of the biggest bloats that happens all over Northern Europe and then into uh, modern practice. Uh, we have in the Atlamal, Gunner dream, Gunner's wife actually dreams that uh, Deesia came to her mourning um, his soon-to-be death. And then we have in uh, Flaterabok, in Olaf Saga, Trigvasanar, um, one of the Winter Night's Feasts, 
Thor Holler had an ill boding that someone should die that night and said that no one should go outside. Um, of course, Sidrandi, hearing a knock at the door, went outside. And uh, there were two different sets of women, uh, nine of them in black, nine of them in, in white. And it is often said, I'm skimming this, summing up, that these were the Disir from his pagan past and the Disir from his Christian past, and they were battling over him. And, of course, he died. We ripped also to shreds, know, I believe. Huh? Ripped to shreds, I believe. Ripped to shreds, yeah, actually. Ripped to rip. He well, he died at dawn. Whatever. <laughs> but yeah, ripped to shreds. Geesley, in Geesley Saga, has uh, the the Deesir come to him. We also know that at least once uh, a person was turned away during a Deesir bloat. Uh, I believe it was on a Mother's Night, saying, that, and of course this happened for an awful bloat too. But basically, the person said no. Uh, we're having this ritual right now. You are not a part of the family, and you don't get to come here. Uh, which, to me, points out exactly how important the ancestors are to us, because as a hospitality-based culture, it's really not done to turn somebody away. Um, so we know that it must have been very important. As far as the Alfar, it, it's a little bit sketchier. Whether or not the Alfar are also the male ancestral dead is interesting. It seems like... As a short form, some male ancestors are all far and some are not. And there are lots of all far that have nothing to do with our male ancestors. So it can get a little bit confusing. But we do know that there were the mound dwellers, the, um, the dead stayed in their mounds for the all far. And many people worship them. So uh, I think I've babbled long enough about the lore we can, we can share back and forth as we go along. But I think it would also be cool to have everybody sort of talk about what the ancestors mean in their lives and then, you know, maybe share some personal stories if you want you know, or not. And uh, we'll see where the conversation takes us from there. So um, the first person I'm looking at here, it says David Karen. So Dave, why don't you take this from here? I'll be trained by the alphabet yet again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's C letter, man. Yeah. Um, ancestors. My personal relationship with my ancestors, family-wise, is uh, best realized in my grandfather. I talk about him every time I talk about my ancestors, because I was very close to him. He died. Which your donkey is still on my altar. Yes, my donkey is still on your altar. Uh, <laughs> you see, but my grandfather, an excellent um, explanation of what kind of person he was, uh, fought in World War II, volunteered for World War II, and loved the army, loved the military, loved spam. He was buried with a picture of a donkey because he went through World War II with his pack mule. Yeah, that's the kind of guy he was. What was the pack mule's name? Huh? What was the pack mule's name? Uh, Shorty. <laughs> Shorty the pack mule. <laughs> and uh, I don't know who was more stubborn in the pair of them. <laughs> I, I will never forget uh, a couple months before he died, pulling me aside in a synagogue. You know, turns me around and says, you see all this? It really doesn't mean anything. It, it's all about what's in your heart. And uh, that, that impressed the hell out of me. I, I never felt comfortable enough to tell him. Um, yeah, well, I, I should say, my parents threatened me under pain of immediate death and dismemberment um, to never tell my grandparents. 
Yeah, I mean, th this is what we talk about when we talk about our ancestors. We talk about the people who had a direct influence in our lives. We talk about the folks in the lore, sure. But when we talk about family, this is what, this is the way it's realized. And I do believe my grandfather still has a very large effect, you know, from, uh, you know, from the underworld on, on my life. He's part of the, the family set, part of my family luck. I am, you know, he, he definitely has an impact there. So, that's my two cents. And Dennis! Portrait. I think I'm going to change and start using a magical name. Probably put it like Zed or something. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I've got like three or four, but I'm going to stop off my... When I was growing up, my family kept it really close knit. We had our house was next door to my grandma's, and when we needed watched, it was grandma that did it. And she was one of those people. I, I wouldn't say she was stubborn, but because that's not a strong enough word. <laughs> um, but now when I look back, some of the traditions and the things she was already doing were very German and very. Her, her maiden name was Schaefer. For example, every holiday we did, and especially at Christmas, we had good ham. Never turkey. She always had ham for everything. <laughs> and every Christmas time, or now around Yule, that's when I think about her most, and I keep thinking, you know, I, I always see it as honoring her by having a ham. <laughs> That's nice. Um, hey, Gus, are you there? <laughs> Gus is joining us from people. beyond the veil. Gus! <laughs> <laughs> you hear us? Send us a sign. You know, he is a safe man. Don't let that fool you. <laughs> <laughs> Microphones. Yeah, see, our, our ancestors weren't much Hello. technology. Hello. Hello. There we go. There's Gus. <laughs> Damn thing. <laughs> Sorry about that. Oh, no problem. It's just really good to have you. Oh, well, um, so I get to talk now? Oh, man. <laughs> you get, well, yeah, at least to start with. And then we'll go around and we can kind of keep okay, going. Well, I've, I've thought about ancestors a lot because, like, my wife can trace her ancestry back to, like, the 1500s insanely. Like, and they're not even Mormon. They're, like... <laughs> and and so and I can really only think of stories that go back to like one or two stories of my great grandfather and so I think a lot of people live in a, a sliding window of three generations at least and so the idea of ancestors for, for me is really kind of I don't know blurry so it makes me wonder whether like, we're looking at the, like, how we see our ancestors or how I see my ancestors is more, I see my grandparents and then some of their parents and then a few stories and a general geography of where they came from. And then really it just goes off into the mist. And uh, I once asked this uh, when Rod was doing Save. I, you know, I, 
I asked her, you know, it was the only question I asked at that thing, you know, when you, you got to make it an important question. I said, what do my ancestors think of me? Like, well, that's an important the, question. And, mm -hmm. you know, they didn't think much because they weren't really that interested. Really? Well, that makes perfect sense in the context of me because we weren't very, like, the family was kind of large and didn't do a lot of work to stay connected. Oh. So it kind of, you know, you know, it sounds, it's not the answer you want to hear, so that's the one you got to think about, right? Of course, right, yeah. So, so I wonder for a lot of people, well, I don't want to generalize, but I think for myself, my ancestors are, like, they're my spiritual ancestors, and then there's some of the blood, but it's more a concept than it is a, a direct, imminent thing for me. Hmm. So, yeah, I think I see what you mean. So I, with that, I'll pass for now. But I've got grand, grandpa stories and stuff that are cool, and but I can't go past further than that. Like I can't go further than my own experience. I can't talk about my dad's stories about, well, maybe one or two or three, or my mother's stories. But I can't go into the stories that they would have told, like my grandparents would have told me about their grandparents. Right. And you know stuff like that. So, so with that, I'll I'll pass it on. Oh, you, you left me. Uh, that's. I now have things to think about, guys. Shame on you. <laughs> okay, I guess uh, next I've got Heather. Me. Um, ancestors are a huge part of what I do. I have always been very, very close to my ancestors that are alive. Um, and have recently started developing relationships with ancestors that are dead. And talking to the dead is pretty much what I do. So, um, you know, ancestors, my ancestors, other people's ancestors, um, we have conversations, lots and lots of conversations. Who knew the dead were so chatty? <laughs> and, you know, in my family, we are all really happy, like close knit. Um, I've been very blessed to have been born into a family that literally would kill for each other. And, you know, we haven't, thank goodness, but, <laughs> um, you know, they are very accepting of my heathen ways and they think I'm weird, but Hey, in my family, that's a compliment. <laughs> um, you know, and, it's it's I've I've been blessed really with my ancestors. Um, they all have strange names, so I, I don't ever you know. Uh, let's see, Alta Fry, um, Mary Blair. Um, oh my goodness, so many, so many. Uh, Urban Paul uh, is Joe's family. For some reason, I I really connect with my husband's family. Um, and if I'm doing scythe, they always, scythes, however you want to pronounce it, they always tend to show up. Not my family, really, because they're all like, no, she, she's got it. She knows what she's doing. But his family always shows up and, and says, hey, poke Joe for me. You know, hey, poke Joe for me. But, um, yeah, um, ancestors are extremely, extremely important um, in uh, my worship they're always around, always telling us, you know, hey, do this, hey, do that. Um, they're really looking forward to the adoption going through. So, 
you know, the usual thing. Hey, I think uh, Tim. They called you. Oh. Maybe not. I, I think I will pass this round if that's all right. Yeah, that's fine. Alrighty. Yeah, that's fine. Of course, now you just put me on the spot. I was hoping I, was <laughs> I thought it was something because I figured Tim would be talking. But um, no. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I work safe too, and and um, yeah, the the dead love to talk, but that doesn't mean they always have something important to say. Uh, no, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> you know, or even that it's it's necessary necessarily relevant uh they just have to say what they have to say um and i find that you know i guess i'll sort of leap off from there and bounce around a little bit and then i'll i'll uh, throw the talking stick as it were back at dave um i find because I, I do i do um public safe rituals uh, at various types of of conventions and uh and for heathen and non-heathen communities and really ancestors are what links us um I, people want to talk to their dead um Sometimes the dead don't want to talk to them, which makes for some very interesting negotiations. But um, and really powerful stuff happens, you know, uh, in, in those sorts of circumstances. So it's it's interesting that you brought that up, Heather, because I I think that as a part of my safe practice, especially, um, I really listen to the advice of my ancestors a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, it, as far as my regular ritual practice, I I listen to my ancestors a lot. Um, you know, we I, we just got done with our all for bloat for the year, which was just intense and powerful and, and astounding. Um, and just having all of those ancestor stories around just really sort of makes it uh, come home for me. Um, but then, you know, it, and and I, you know, personal story, I guess. Uh, Dennis, you were talking about your your stubborn uh, relative. Uh, I joke around that I come from a very long line of difficult woman, women. <laughs> um, and difficult women never make are, are the ones that really make history, you know, because well-behaved women never make any history. Um, and I and I, I actually get a lot of guff from that from some of my my friends who think that I shouldn't refer to my ancestors as difficult because it's insulting. Um, it's actually not really. Most of my uh, this year especially would proudly stand up and say, "Yeah, and here's how I'm difficult, and let me tell you why it matters," because that's the kind of people that they were, um, which I guess explains a lot about me. Uh, you know, but coming from a line of, of, of that, that sort of um, thing, my great-great-grandmother, Victoria LaFile, uh, came over into this country just after World War One, as many people did. Um, and it was the typical sort of immigration story. You know, my, my great-great-grandfather, LaFile, came over first, um, didn't like the look in New York, so he went to California, figured out he could grow grapes, that maybe he could make wine. Um, you know, got a job, paid his money, and then then got his wife over, and uh, after that, got his sons over. My uh, the the file relatives actually immigrated in a batch. Um, so Victoria came over alone. She had to leave her four sons, in uh, Louis Vuitton in France, the village where they lived and grew up, uh, and she had to travel across the water and then travel across the continent to be reunited with the husband she hadn't seen in years and uh, work with him in order to bring her children over. Um, and I think that you have to be a very powerful and difficult sort of person in order to really make that work. Um, so I guess that's my personal story for now. Um, but I think it would be neat to, to talk about and consider more as what Gus had to say actually uh, about that connection to the ancestors, that the ones that we don't know. Um, the ones that are sort of misty, um, 
or even, you know, do we connect with them at all? Um, are there ancestors that, you know, we just have no connection to or, or don't want a connection to? Um, and how do we sort of reconcile that in our lives as ancestor-worshipping heathens? And I'll pass that over to Dave. Dave. <laughs> okay. Um, well, my two cents on that would be the reality is I believe that after you die, uh, different parts of you go to where they need to go. So to that end, I do believe that not every bit of every ancestor goes along with the whole package. I do believe that you can basically address your family luck, the easier of your family, without necessarily talking about specific people. Explain um, how that would work. Uh, complicatedly. Um, <laughs> the, the thing is that, let, let me suggest that my background in psychology, you can do all sorts of things to and with people that they sometimes do not necessarily recognize and reflect. And I believe your soul works the same way. That's my dog, I'm sorry. That's okay. Back from the, the ancestors are calling. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Pick up the phone now, now. You guys are going to laugh. My dog started barking. <laughs> I don't know if you can hear uh, it over the mic. Some... I, I had some uh, a question that may, may be related, and we can wait, or we can just talk about it now. What about ancestors of place? So yeah. when, I, when, I, when I first started some of my practices, I found myself drawn to a lot of the Native American stuff, and I realized that even though I don't have any blood, they're the people that inhabited the land before me. And so it makes sense to me that there'd be some interest in kind of, you know, it's kind of like going back to your old, your old digs when you were a kid and seeing what's going on. You know, would they count as Alfar and Dacey or would they count as... Wow, yeah. Become, like if, you're, if your ancestors are, or people are in a place for a long time, like they, that's their world and they inhabit that place. Like Maybe because we live in a very urban, moving around place, we may not have as many ancestral alfar. Right. Right. But that always felt like like the mount the mountain of a family's or like a family farm that's been in a generate five generations or something that that place is infested with, I'm sure, ancestors and memories of things. Yeah. It's, yeah, and it only makes sense that they become part of the land. Up the native stuff then. Well, it used to be also with the way people can travel now and move from place to place that we aren't on the same lands we were for our ancestral homeland a lot of times now. Whereas back in the days when the tribes were close-knit families in small areas, you're, you stayed in one location generation after generation after generation. Yeah. Yep. And back, back in the day, they used to have hues. They used to have graveyards you know, right over next to the house. Mm -hmm. And I think that built up a very strong relationship with the local whites. By yeah. definition. Yeah. Well, so it, it also then stands to reason that you can have, at least to me, you can have Alfar and Dacier that are not actually of your blood, but are instead of the land that you inhabit. I think that's a reasonable uh, uh, stretch. I mean, and if we look at it, we adopt uh, people into our families all the time. You know, 
uh, Heather mm -hmm. and Joe are, are in the process of doing that. My mother was adopted. I mean, you know, you go ahead and try to tell me my papa's not my papa in every way that matters, even though he's not my blood relative. Well, you know? The Romans had a really great adoption ceremony in that regard, where, yeah. you know, the, 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 the Romans, you know, I know we hate them and everything, but... <laughs> but that's when you you adopted somebody into your into your family when you were a Roman, yeah, they became part of your line in a in a spiritual sense, and you could not undo it, right? It was it was that weird religio legal sort of combining of of ideas. Well, yeah, I mean, you even look at Odin and Loki. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. True. Sure. You know, yeah, I mean, the whole, whole process of becoming blood brothers is to become stronger than family. That's kind of the point. And it stands to reason, I mean, to go back to what Tim said, I think it stands to reason if we can adopt, you know, living, then, you know, the dead can adopt us, or we can adopt the dead. So well, that's Mormon that's, talk. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's Mormon talk. That's Mormon talk. <laughs> oh, all right. I, I do have live examples. Oh, my secret. I'm really Mormon. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're in Chicago, you mean you live Mormon, Democrat. They, they have really interesting architecture. <laughs> they do. And underwear. Yeah, yeah. I've actually done, um, there's one, I, I actually uh, did this one one year. I was up at an antique store in, in Portland in Maine, and there was this box of old uh, tin-type photos, and it said, literally, adopt an ancestor, 25 cents. And I was a little bit affronted. <laughs> you know? so I'm like, these poor people, they're only worth a quarter? That's not fair to them. Um, you know? <laughs> I looked. I did. So I looked through, and I, I actually we, I had, I found two, one female and one male that really sort of drew me. You know, like something about the picture. Just you know how sometimes you get that picture that really draws you. And I and I made sure that there were names on the back of them. Um, and I brought them home and actually tried to do what research I could to find them. Um, you know, with an eye toward if I if I happen to have some weird miracle and hey, by the way, yeah. You know, so and so. I have a picture of your great, 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 you know, grand uncle or whatever. I could return them to their ancestral, to their to their people. I thought that would be really cool. And of course, that didn't happen because you know that's that's one of those slim to none things. Um, but at my altar bloat and my this year bloat both that year, I made sure to acknowledge both of them and have them on the altars, the photographs, and to say, you know, hey, my ancestors, you know, in you know, welcome these people into your hall and show them some hospitality and. Hopefully they can find their people and you can help them out with that. But if not, at least they know they've got a warm place to stay. So, you know, Tim, I think that your thinking is on with that, really. Awesome. Yeah. You know, I'd also say that, I mean, in my kindred, we've had family members of, of my kin who uh, clearly their ancestors have become adopted by the kindred. Really? Did you guys know them when they were alive, or did they just start showing up at, after they were dead? Well, no, they, they're just because of the, the influence of the members. Uh -huh. they, they brought them up in rituals so many times. I, I could tell you just an absurd amount of information about, about them. That yeah. the, it, the entire kindred basically just said, yeah, they're part of the, the, the kindred at this point, in, you know, luck-wise speaking. So, not, Shorty not, the mute, so Shorty the pack mule is really kind of a raven? Uh, not <laughs> quite yet. <laughs> not shorty, but, uh... No, I hear what you're saying, though. Yeah. yeah. I say that only because, I mean, it, you know, at, you know, our... My kinswoman's husband's stepmom just passed, um, two weeks ago, and, you know, he was 
he raised the hornet float and it's oh, I'm sorry it's symbol for her and you know we all just wept with him with that grief knowing that you know now she's an ancestor but I am pretty sure that that Vicky's going to end up being talked about a lot into Raven's kindred circles too so you know we talk about adopting ancestors or adopting people and 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 they becoming part of our our ancestral history and it made me think a little more about looking back at my sister and my grandmother and them and I think in some ways we carry our ancestry in our in our bones almost because you look at some people and they do the same things as their or similar things that their parents and grandparents did and like my ancestors were always builders and makers of something right they were never kings or big executives or anything and and I'm doing the same sorts of things and have the same interests in things and it wasn't out of any oh I'm going to do that because my dad did that or my grandfather did that and I just wonder if some of that that sort of the or log of your and is it all I always get those two mixed up it's embarrassing <laughs> it is truly embarrassing yeah. of your your family your family line passing these things on or these extra in, like I don't know the flavor of your life almost and it's really hard to break that off yeah so they're going to have that too, even though they don't know who their biological parents are. Right. Just see that physical, spiritual connection. Yep. That's subtle and it flavors the way they think and want to do things. And hmm. yeah, and it's not like it's genetic marker A point oh, B exactly. or whatever like that, but it's just somewhere in there. Yeah. So. Whenever I'm doing a bloat honoring ancestors specifically I always say blood of my blood bone of my bones or those that come from the heart so those that came into my life that may not have been physically attached I think Nora came up with that at some point but but it gives you that chance to connect those who aren't specifically of your blood and your bone in with your ancestors because you chose them yeah well that's what kindred are for Anna are you coming through so anyway, right, where were we? Uh, when Anna came in, we were talking about adopted ancestors and ancestry and what was Gus saying? Oh, um, having those habits that you find out later are actually ancestral that you didn't necessarily know were. I want to add to that because there's a, if you, does everyone know, I hope everyone knows Dean Rose. Yes. Anyway, if you um, go on his Google mail page and you chat with him, he's got a picture that you'd swear is him. But it's really his great, 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 great someone from the Civil War grandfather. Wow. Wow. Just like him. <laughs> and you would swear that it was him. Wow. Uh, Dean, what do you do? Were you doing Civil War reenactment? <laughs> he says, no, that's a picture we found in the archives, blah, blah, blah. And it's, it's, fa it's fascinating. So I, I want to throw that in there, too, because of the ancestors in our bones that we don't really know about. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, you know, we can discuss the, you know, genetics without getting into the more political aspects of it. I mean, you know, we are the physiological outcome <laughs> of what came before us. 
I'll, I'll, I'll never forget one time I was uh, at, at my grandma's house and we're kind of flipping through the albums and uh, she showed me a picture of me and her sitting on the couch and I didn't recognize the couch and I asked her when it was taken and she just laughed. It was actually my dad. Wow. <laughs> I thought my dad was me. Wow. Yeah. My nephew looks just like my brother uh, and there's a there are two photographs. It's, it's one of each of them, but they're they're at the I think it's like three months old, and they are you know clothing aside, sitting in the same sort of three month old posture, and it's the same kid. <laughs> it's a bit like okay, you don't actually get to question Tracy about that ever, because <laughs> you can just see it, and it's amazing. Um, you know, so that kind of thing is, is also possible. But I, I, I like Gus's idea that, you know, that sort of lives on in our bones and, and we may not know the name of the ancestor that did it, but we're doing it now in their memory and the way that they used to. I think that really resonates with me. Well, I don't think that, I think that you're right. Genetics can get very political. Yes. For the obvious, you know, way of excluding. But, yeah, it's, one day someone's going to have to have a conference or read figure out how to talk about it. But it's, uh, like, but you can only take that back, like, I don't know what my great-great-grandfather looked like or further back than that. So all you have are these whispers and, and memories of things, and then you realize, for me, it was blacksmithing, and I found out my great-grandfather was a blacksmith, and my grandfather actually did it in the old country. Wow. And I'd never heard of it before, right? But that interest was there. Yeah. So that makes you sort of wonder about how that, that, that spirit or that line carries on. So and that can be for good and bad. And I think if you have bad ancestors or people that have done great you know, trauma to you, how do you break that and start fresh or start a new ancestral line? Like, there's a lot of bravery in that too, I think. That, that's actually a good point. Maybe uh, you guys can throw in your, your three and a half farthings on that. You know, uh, what, what do you do when you've got abusive people in your ancestry. I mean, how do you, how do you reconcile that? The answer is as best as you can. Um, <laughs> my, my wife actually um, basically has, has divested herself of her family line to a very, very large extent. Um, and uh, in exchange, she has, you know, I, I believe taken to her heart my line. Um, there, there's only so much you can do on that. You can basically say, look, I'm just not going to, you know, sacrifice, honor those, you know, piece of crap folks that are that are in the past. And to some extent, yeah, you can do that, but those those things are going to, I mean, it's in your luck. <laughs> Good luck, bad luck. It it's it's yours to deal with, and you can do your the best you can, and you can certainly take the bad people and, you know, hold them up for the, you know, crap that they are. But at the end of the day, it's it's your weird to deal with. Hmm. Oh, sorry, Tim, go ahead. Uh, at, at the risk of introducing a lot of uh, segue or a little bit too much crosstalk, it also brings, uh, I've had a lot of people ask me about how do you answer for your ancestors or log? Okay. You know, if your ancestors have done horrible things, you know, how do you divest yourself of that? But you know, I don't know. Gus, you had started to say something, and well, what, um, your, um, that last point was excellent because if you think of Henry V and how Henry Henry V 
gets down and prays and says, you know, God, please, you know, I, my father and my ancestors were really bad and I've done all these good things and please help me now. And sort of that idea of pain, like I have all this guilt from my, that I've had to carry that's not my own. And I, I don't like the idea of carrying the, well, I don't like the idea, but I think you're right. You do carry the, 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 the bad things that happened and the trauma from your past, from your ancestors and your parents and their parents on forward. And it's really hard to break it, but you can. And you can you know, throw the chains off and figure out a way to have your children live a different life. But you have to be really conscious of it. So I, I, I agree with, uh, I'm sorry, was it uh, Dave? You see we're talking about that. I agree with you, it's your Orlog to carry, but you can, you can deal with it. You can, in some way, change your, the life that you've been given so that your kids don't have to carry that same, that same Orlog. I, I know for myself, I've really felt that from my background, that I've had to work really hard to make my children different and so that their Orlog is, they're carrying more of what I'm choosing to do as opposed to what was chosen for me and was chosen for my parents. Yeah, I think, I, you know, that's really sound advice, um, Gus. I, I think you're right, and, and I agree with you. I don't like the fact that we have <laughs> to carry this in our Orlog, but there it is. Um, yeah. <laughs> so what do we do? I mean, how do we deal with it? And, uh, you know, eventually, I was actually talking similar lines, you know, uh, different different theme, but uh, uh, it can, comes down to kind of the same thing. Um, <clears throat> you know, you have to look at sort of the, the balance of action. And, you know, yeah, you had this one, um, you know, great uncle Sven who was this, you know, jerk. Yeah. Um, but if you have five other people that are better, it kind of, I mean, it's not like math in that way. Right, yeah. It's not like <laughs> you know? um, and I think that as we are heathen, um, and know about the fact that we can impact our Orlog, it, it kind of becomes our responsibility to make sure that we can do that. You know, I mean, even though I'm not a mom and I'm never going to be a mom, um, it's just not a, a path I want or uh, to choose. I have a nephew, I have two nieces, and, you know, I am definitely... Huh? You can impact their, how they, exactly. how they move their Orlog forward, or the Orlog. Exactly, exactly. I mean, it's still, you know, my my what I do is still going to fall into the family hominyet in the end, um, regardless of whether or not I actually physically have a child ever. Um, right. So it is really important to do that. And, you know, we, we, you can talk about it in your life in psychological terms and go in a whole different direction, but I think it works out the same way. You have yeah. to do what you have to do to see what happened, acknowledge what happened, get past in whatever way it takes, because sometimes it takes a lot of therapy to get past some of this stuff, you know. Um, and then make those conscious decisions to improve your own life and your own way of doing things, you know, for your children's future to make it better for them. That was a long-winded agreement. Sorry. <laughs> yes, well said. <laughs> but it is important, and I, I mean, I, you know, I get, I do get asked that. I think, you know, have you got, you guys probably have all gotten asked that sort of question too, right? Yeah, I mean, it's one of those obvious questions of like, okay, once you believe in you know, that your life could be impacted from, you know, beyond the grave, what do you do about it? And, 
the, the answer is, well, you know, sometimes it makes a big difference, sometimes not, and you deal with what you can. It's like anything else. Yep. I mean, not every action that we take while we're alive affects our luck and our and our weird on a one-for-one -one basis. That's the expectation we have to run by, but the reality is not everything we do has a effect on the universe. Right. <laughs> I, I just yeah. don't believe the universe revolves around me. What? <laughs> I don't know. I believe that the universe revolves around me. I'm just pretty sure that you guys don't think so either, so I have to just deal with that reality, right? <laughs> <laughs> No, you're right. You know, it would be very nice to be able to say, well, you know, I did this one good thing and that negates this one bad thing, you know, but the world doesn't work that way. Um, but then when you start, you have to sort of talk about balance of action at that point, I think, and, and that's where it gets a little fuzzy. Um, so, I just always figure you do as many good things as you possibly can. That way you bank a few. That way you got to override some bad things. <laughs> Well, it's not so much good versus bad as much as I, I like, get a whole lot of friends and kith around me so that when it does hit the fan, <laughs> they will help me attack what is going to, what is coming after me. I thought you were going to say it's an equal opportunity fan and they get just as dirty as you, but I guess that was... <laughs> Well, you know the reality. <laughs> well, I totally know the reality. <laughs> And even if it is that kind of an equal reality fan, at least I've got good friends dirty with me. <laughs> <laughs> so what else? Anything else that we uh, want to cover? We're at about 10 of 10. But my two cents is we should talk about... Good ritual. We had, one, we had one, you know, just last weekend on how to, how to better connect with the ancestors. Okay. Uh... I, I talked about that one already, so I'm going to like let you guys talk first. So somebody else, something else. You know, I, I, I will tell a story because my, my family is like, my well, not me, but my, my the family I grew up in were sort of superstitious Lutherans. Just, you know, you, you're, you're afraid of God, but he doesn't really get involved in your life that much. And mm -hmm. <laughs> you go to church at Christmas and Easter. But I read, like, as a heathen, when I went to my brother's wedding, there had been on her, on his wife's side of the family, there had been some, some deaths in that year. And for that, for the wedding there, all I, I asked if I could just take a little table in, and I made a little ancestors table and, and told the servers that they have to put, you know, services there. And I, here I am, no, I'm nobody in the wedding party, but I just said, Richard, I'm going to do this for you. You know, and I built this little table there, and it was, look, it was in, you know, off to the side, but there were two plates, and I told the servers, it's going to be crazy, but, you know, put the wine there, and when the first course comes, you put the first course there, and when the second course comes, take the first course off and put the second course, even though nobody touched it, and they said, okay, and I had to give them some money, and they said, okay, <laughs> <laughs> but, but they, that was a real touching thing, and, and they both came up to me afterwards and thought that was a really... That was a really memorable thing for them, for their wedding, to have a way of honoring their their ancestors that had passed. And they hadn't even, like, like modern, sometimes modern mainstream religion is very, or, well, I'm not going to say that because it's not true. But sometimes people are so disconnected from how to recognize their ancestors or acknowledge the history of their, of their, their family's lives that, that kind of ritual was very simple and worked very well. So. That's nice. 
I never thought about doing something like that at a wedding. That's well, I've seen it at Dean and Winifred's wedding. They had done that. They had had a much bigger Pride of Place ancestors table, uh-huh. and that was that was. And I took it from their wedding, and and just brought it into the mundane world, and and said, "This is what you know you can do." And so, I might have to steal that. That's really nice. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, I think, I mean, I've done similar things like that, uh, you know, usually like as part of the, the, you know, the ritual feast, you know, the potluck feast or whatever at our rituals. I didn't do, we didn't do it this time around. I usually do. I, I uh, it just didn't happen this, this time, but I never thought about doing it at a wedding. That's really great. Well, it's certain they're going to be there anyway if they're there. Oh, that's true. <laughs> and, you know, I think it improves the luck of the marriage. Yeah, good point. Absolutely. Uh, other people, other they would be like, oh, he remembered. I didn't have to wander around all the time looking for, you know, some coffee. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they would say. <laughs> um, other people have uh, other simple things like I like the simplicity of that too, and other simple stuff that. Actually, I kind of did something at my brother's wedding. I was actually sitting with my aunt Sue, who passed on about a year ago. And I was not able to make it back for the funeral. I did kind of a private ride at home, uh, basically as saying goodbye. And I was actually I was sitting at a table with two of her sons, her granddaughter, and her daughter-in-law, and we all raised a glass to my aunt. That's nice. Very cool. Yeah. So just remembering them, just lifting a glass. Yep, remembering them keeps them alive. I'm a big fan of, I call it having tea with my ancestors, but I'll sit down and I'll have a, whatever weighty issue is on my mind and I'll just make some tea. Uh, and I'll, I'll put out two glasses and, uh, you know, one one's for them and one's for me. And I never put milk or sugar in theirs because each one of them had their own thing about that. I kind of put the milk and sugar next to theirs. And, and I just sit and I will actually sit in my dining room and talk it out and, uh, and then just walk away. Um, and it's, it's interesting how, you know, the, the answer kind of comes bubbling up out of your subconscious. You know, it might even, you know, I'm a skeptic as much as anybody else. It might even just be me working it out in my own head. Um, but it feels very comforting. And it feels like they're there. And it, it feels like now that I've given out my problem to them, they've got some advice. And then whether or not I choose to listen to it, of course, is up to me. Uh, but, I could, yeah, having tea with your ancestors just sit down and, and share, share share a drink with them and see what happens. Gardening, too. They like to garden for some reason for me. If I'm out in the dirt with the sun on my face and I'm, I'm thinking about my ancestors, that's like when I feel in some ways really the most connected to them. I guess because I come from a lot of farmers. <laughs> mm. Now, I was saying, see how you're gardening and farming in that kind of resonation with what your ancestors did. Yep. Is there. Mm. And Dave, you were going to say something? Well, I was just going to say, and that, that's pretty much how you, you know, get in touch, you know, with, with ancestors you don't know about, is you start, you know, start with no words. Start with just trying to share something of yourself, yeah. your food, your hospitality, and then, yeah. you know, work your way from there. Yeah, I think that's good. And I, I, I've heard a lot of people in various, you know, ritual vacation settings or whatever, you know, talk about, you know, the ones that we know the names of, and the ones that we remember even though we don't know their names. Because it's not like saying, those we have forgotten. Well, if we forgot you, then we're not actually honoring you in ritual. 
because we forgot, you know. So instead of saying that, just saying, you know, you ancestors whose names are lost to time, we still remember you in these ways. Um, you know, I think kind of puts a head on it, and it might actually get people in touch with, like, what Gus was talking about, you know, those people that are outside that window of regeneration. I remember it close to years ago back in Lincoln State Park, and I don't remember who they were because I think I was dropped on my head when I was a kid or something. I can't remember names. But they had talked about how, I guess, that that sliding window of, of the generations that they knew about was so poisoned that they had decided that they were going to start a new a new line, you know, and they were very deliberate about it. And, and sometimes they think, oh, new line, and, and just cut all that other stuff loose. And I sometimes wonder about that, like if there's value in that or if it's just, you know, anger of, you know, wrongs done in the past. Okay, so uh, anything else, or or uh, it's time to wrap up. But if we have something else that's compelling, we can keep going a little bit longer. My suggestion is we should figure out what we're doing for next time. Okay, all right. So uh, what do we want to do next time, guys? Hmm. Actually, you know, you guys, you guys start talking. I'm going to run downstairs and grab the Holy Day Planner of Doom. I'll be right back. Ooh. <laughs> no, not that. Yeah.